Shabbat Shalom. You ever get a little melancholy during this season? You know, the days are short, the nights are long, it's cold. There's even a seasonal disorder called SAD, you know, seasonal affective disorder. Have you heard of that? When people get that in winter and kind of lifts in the spring. So this melancholy mood that often descends on us in winter, you know, sometimes it leads us to ponder deep questions like what is the meaning of life? What is the purpose of life? Why is life so short and the swift passage of time? Where has all the time gone? As Job writes, my days fly by faster than a weaver's shuttle. In this week's Torah portion by Ishlach, Jacob returns to the land of Israel after 20 years abroad. Where has all the time gone? When he left, he was a young man fleeing his twin brother Esau, who was tricked by Jacob out of his father's blessing. Jacob was alone. He arrived with nothing but the clothes on his back. And now, 20 years later, he had a large family. He was wealthy beyond measure. And as he returns on the border of the land of Israel, he hears that his brother Esau is massing what Jacob believes to be an army to fight him. He did what he could to come out of this confrontation alive. He sent messengers to come Esau. He sent him gifts and tokens. And the night before the fateful confrontation, the Bible tells us that Jacob took his two wives, his two handmaids, and his children, and crossed the Yabok River. And the Bible states, And Jacob took his family and crossed the river along with et asher lo all his possessions, everything he had. He thought that this would be a better way to survive if Esau attacked. And the next verse tells us, And Jacob was alone. And that was a moment when he was alone that he confronted this strange man, right, Ben? Some kind of heavenly messenger who wrestled with him all night and who ultimately blessed Jacob, changing his name to Israel. But the rabbis asked this question. If Jacob succeeded in accompanying his entire family across the river and his entire flock and et asher lo, everything he possessed, if they were all successfully transported across the river, how did he find himself alone? Wasn't he with everybody else? Anybody else? Commentators suggest that once everyone had crossed and there was no one left, Jacob crossed back again to the other side, alone. Why? Why would he do that? What possible reason could there be for once everybody crossing on the other side and bringing all of his possessions on the other side for Jacob to cross back Yet again, okay. 
Some commentators suggest that he wanted to take one final look around, just to make sure that nothing had been overlooked. We do that. I do that. My wife teases me about it. You know, just as we're about to leave on a long vacation, we lock the door, call the elevator, but inevitably, I unlock the door to take one final look around. That's me to make sure the windows are shut, the lights are off, the gas is closed. That's just me. Maybe Jacob was a little like me, a little bit obsessive. A last look around for me is never really a last look around. I always need to go back to take another last look around. Other commentators suggest that Jacob crossed back to the other side as a diversion to escape Esau. If necessary, he could flee in the opposite direction. Among the most interesting comments is one suggested by Rabbi Eliezer in the Talmud. He went back to retrieve small jars. Why would he go back for small jars? Why were these important? What were in these jars? Some commentators suggest that these were little vessels to carry water and that Jacob returned for them for the sake of his young children who he thought would be thirsty on the long journey. We do that, I do. We think that our children are going to need something on a long trip. We often go back and retrieve it. I'll never forget doing that in Paris. When our daughter was very young, she was attached to this pink blanket that she dragged along with her wherever she went. She probably thought it was a real person because she bestowed upon this blanket the name Bobby. So we were in Paris and we were about to leave for the airport to fly back to New York. We left the hotel room, called the elevator. I unlocked the door again to take one final look around while my wife was laughing at my punctilious habits. I didn't see anything, so we left. We were already at the airport when our daughter in the back seat began to mumble, Bobby. And that soon crescendoed into whatever the child equivalent is to the earth is coming to an end. Somehow we had forgotten her blanket in the hotel, and I did something that, in retrospect, kind of impresses even me. I returned. Like Jacob, I crossed the river, but in my case, it was the river Sen <laughs> to retrieve the blanket. My daughter needed it for the long journey, so I went to retrieve it. I wouldn't have done it for myself, probably not for my wife, well, maybe, yes. But for my daughter, there was no question. She needed her Bobby for the long journey, as much as Jacob's small children needed water to drink on the long journey. But there is another commentary on what these small jars contained that rendered it so important for Jacob to return and retrieve them. Anybody? Some suggest that they contained not water, but 
a small amount of purified oil. In antiquity, oil was used for all kinds of things, cooking, perfume, soothing chap skin, lighting candles, and even anointing kings. But purified oil had a ritual function. And in a beautiful midrash, the rabbis teach that these jars of purified oil were the very jars found over 1,500 years later by the Maccabees. By Amimahem Batman Hazeh. In those days, during this very wintry season. It's a poignant observation because this Parsha is often read right around the festival of Hanukkah, which begins this year and about a week and a half. I love this rabbinic teaching because it reminds us that we are all linked in time. We are not isolated. We haven't appeared out of nowhere. We are part of a continuum. Time existed before us. Time exists after us. The deeds of one generation impact and influence generations to come. Jacob wasn't thinking of his distant descendants millennia later when he returned for the oil. Presumably he had his own uses for this oil, which he probably never fulfilled because the Maccabees found the sealed jars a millennia and a half later. But had he not returned for those jars, there would have been no miracle of Hanukkah. Who knew? We never know what action we take or what action we refrain from taking that will dramatically impact on generations to come. But we do know even if the significance or the intentionality of our actions are hidden, mundane, of no particular contemporary consequence, we don't give a passing thought to them. We do know that these actions in some crucial ways impact on future generations. And this is the Jewish, Jewish way to relieve some sadness from any seasonal affective disorder we might feel in these dark days. Time really doesn't belong to us. We convince ourselves that we control time. But time really controls us. We are driven by the urge to reach the destination that we call tomorrow. But tomorrow never really comes. Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow creeps in this petty pace from day to day to the last syllable of recorded time. But we are who we are because of what they did in their time. Jacob's retrieval of the jars of oil led to the miracle of Hanukkah. And the miracle of Hanukkah led to the miracle of Jewish survival. And the miracle of Jewish survival leads to you. And in turn, you are the link to that will, that will come not alone. We are in the bloodstream of Jewish existence. What a happy thought to relieve any seasonal affective disorder we experience in this season. 
ברוך אתה אדוני אלוהינו מלך העולם שהחיינו וקיימנו והגיענו לזמן הזה. Praise there you O God, ruler of the universe who gives us life, sustains us and allows us to reach this season. 